Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Buffalo Shots Podcast. Hello again and welcome to another Horror Shots Podcast with me, Casey. Hope you liked last week's introduction to Season 1. This week is Episode 2, in case you hadn't noticed. And I'm going to stick along the same sort of lines as last week. But, of course, it's not going to be the same thing. Naturally, I've got some housekeeping to get out of the way. So, as usual, if you like what you hear, feel free to drop a review, either on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Every little bit helps, and it helps the little guys like me get a little more exposure, a little more notice out there in the podverse, as I think it's called. I don't know. If you do want to contact me, I'm always, always hoping that you guys do, and you can do so by finding me on Twitter at HorrorShotsPod or at my Instagram page at Horror Shots Photography, Facebook at Horror Shots, or my website at HorrorShots.com. Now, with all that out of the way, I do want to talk to you about something very, very spooky and very, very important, and that is the idea of a curse. We've all been there. We've all thought, man, today is the worst day of my life. Somebody out there hates me and put like a little voodoo sack or something under my bed And now I'm cursed for all eternity because a dog peed in my shoe or I stubbed my toe this morning or I got fired or, you know, even more serious things happen. And you just think this is too much of a coincidence to be an actual coincidence. But most of the time they are. However, since pretty much the beginning of civilization, people have believed in various religions, deities, magics, and of course, curses. Now, they aren't easy to pull off, and I have looked into them in the past. I used to be really into the sort of witchcraft scene, and I read a whole lot of books and a whole lot of different information about good magic, green magic, white magic, black magic. And, of course, curses fall under the black magic mantle. What does that mean? What is a curse? Well, I kind of explained it, and it's where somebody more or less wishes bad things to happen to you. There's a few different ways you can go about it. You can just send negative energy their way. You can attack their belief system. So if it's witch versus witch, for example, and you know the name of their god and goddess or their lord and lady, then you can do some nasty things to them. But if I remember correctly, the witch's oath says, whatever you put out there, you get back times three. So if you put out some negative vibes and you put some voodoo or some hoju or whatever you want to call it on somebody else, it's going to come back your way times three. So it's a risk and reward system. Are you really willing to take that risk that because somebody wronged you at work, you're going to put a curse on them, but it could come back at you. Chances are it will come back at you in the worst possible ways. Now, of course, like I said, the idea of a curse goes back millennia. As long as humans have really believed in deities, the supernatural, and the power of magic, the use of magic, spells, and curses have featured widely across various cultures. It's very much entwined with human nature, of course. 
Such beliefs and practices have continued to the present day. Hence the books I've read about witchcraft and all that kind of fun stuff. Archaeological finds show evidence of a plethora of ancient curses and protective spells, such as the discovery of cursed tablets, evil eye talismans, and warding items. Now, I've talked about warding items in the past to ward off demons or evil entities that people believe were causing harm within their home, with their community, wherever. Wherever you could find evil, somebody had some sort of talisman or anti-evil device. And it continues on, and it goes into what we're talking about today, obviously. The history of curses varies between cultures, locations, religions, and beliefs, and times. However, the intention of the curse has constantly been to conjure supernatural power to inflict misfortune or punishment upon a target. A curse, sometimes called a jinx or a hex or a dark spell, can be verbalized, written, or sometimes cast through elaborate rituals. The aim is to see harm befall the recipient. Of course, bad luck may dog them, death may take them, or any number of dire or annoying fates may plague them. In antiquity, a curse was a powerful phenomenon, often viewed as the summoned wrath of gods, or the presence of evil forces. It was believed that those finding themselves cursed could seek help from magic practitioners such as shamans or religious leaders, healers or witch doctors, and have the curse reversed through counter-rituals or prayer. A way to avoid being cursed in the first place was to possess certain items of protection or warding. The purpose of spells and curses were, and remain today, aimed at punishing or changing the behavior of a certain individual could also be used to ward off disaster and controlling their actions of other people. So it's a very complex thing. Again, very rooted in supernatural beliefs, but at the same time, some practical use. Now, there are some very famous curses. We all are aware of a few, some Egyptian curses like Pharaoh's curse. The uh, ancient Egyptian curses are probably the most notorious. They gained infamy in 1922 when the tomb of Pharaoh Tutankhamun was opened. The mysterious deaths of some of the archaeology team and prominent visitors to the tomb soon after it opened, and the subsequent publicity, caused a firestorm of speculation as to the power of the curse. Journalists and authors to this day fanned the flames. In other words, people just continue to spread the rumors of the curse. It's more likely, however, that... And I do like to say, I like to play the skeptical card as well. This is an unbiased podcast, I would like to say. I do believe in a lot of the stuff I talk about, but I do understand that there are other sides to the story. And I believe one of the other most rational explanations for the causes of death and illnesses after going to the tube were bacteria. Thousands of years of bacteria just waiting to be released and people's immune systems weren't prepared for it and they fell sick and eventually died. In reality, deadly curses in royal tombs in Egypt are rare, as the idea of invaders or raiders breaching the tomb and desecrating its contents was unthinkable and even dangerous to inscribe. Warnings or wards were more frequently used to preserve the ritual purity of a tomb for generalized protection. Now, Wikipedia notes that some curses can be found in private tombs of the Old Kingdom. One tomb from the 9th or 10th dynasty warns any ruler who shall do evil or wickedness to this coffin may Haman, a local deity, not accept any goods he offers and may his heir not inherit. In other words, curse the father and the son. 
There are tons of wards and warnings that go along with curses as well. Curses, or the threat of cursed objects, were a clever method used to protect valuables. During the medieval period, book curses were widely used and effective at keeping thieves away from precious tomes and important scrolls. The medieval Catholic Church possessed many of the books, and the penalty for defacing or stealing books was high. Curses written in the tomes warned would be thieves of dire repercussions, such as excommunication or damnation. The practice dated back to pre-Christian times and was used in the earliest libraries. The books in a collection at the Library of Nineveh in Mesopotamia were marked with various curses as well. In what reads as a threat against copyright infringement, one text has the warning, whoever shall carry off this tablet or shall inscribe his name on it side by side with my own, may Asher and Bilet overthrow him in wrath and anger, and may they destroy his name, prosperity in the land. Very chilling stuff. People were worried about plagiarism even back then. It's not just about your college paper. It was about ancient texts as well. The idea of curses and jinxes is found in various holy books as well in the Christian Bible. The generational curse is one mentioned, appearing multiple times. It's mentioned in Exodus 25 and 34.7, Numbers 14.18, and Deuteronomy 5.9. God warns that he is a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the father to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. The recommended way to break the generational curse is to repent and find salvation. Much like everything else in Christianity, you repent and you will be saved. The infamous Devil's Bible, a massive manuscript that legend says was written in a single night by a monk in a pact with the devil, is said to be cursed and brings misfortune to any who possess it. Now, there are also things associated not with Christianity or ancient times. More recently, there have been witchcraft, and witchcraft is associated with all sorts of magics, including dark magics, hexes, and curses. While history shows that pre-Christian beliefs included the power of both light, blessings, and curses, the concept of dark curses is now often associated with, as I said, witchcraft and dark spirits. Cursing tablets were one way the people of ancient Greco-Roman society attempted to harness malevolent spirits and the wrath of powerful gods to damn their foes. Binding spells would be scratched into the surface of thin lead tablets. The tablets would then be rolled up, nails were driven into them, and they were placed underground. They ended up at the bottom of wells, nailed to temple walls, or buried with the dead. Sometimes tablets appealed to underworld gods as well. Pluto, Hecate, or Persephone, while other times the text simply named the victim and the misfortune or death that it was to befall them. One tablet found in London reads, I curse Trisha Maria and her life and mind in memory and liver and lungs mixed up together and her words, thoughts, and memories. Thus may she be unable to speak what things are concealed, nor be able. Pretty chilling stuff. Somebody cursed somebody. God knows how long ago, but it was a legit curse. Now, whatever happened to Trisha Maria is unknown. I couldn't find any more information on her, but it's a thing that happened. It's pretty nifty. Real life cursed talisman, if you will, or a cursed book. 1600-year-old tablet curses were found in Italy and recently translated. 
Live science reports that the malevolent words and frightening images were meant to spell the end for both a Roman senator and a veterinarian named Porcello. A drawing of the Greek goddess Hecate was scratched into the lead plate with snakes writhing under her head. The curse read, Destroy, Crush, Kill, Strangle Porcello and Wife Morella, Their Soul, Heart, Buttocks, Liver. Buttocks is kind of a weird one to throw in there, but different times, different strokes for different folks. The practice of magic or witchcraft is often associated with cursing and evil hexes. Historically in Europe, it was assumed that if crops suffered blight or food spoiled unexpectedly, that a curse was behind it. Other evidence of cursing were horses going lame or milk cows going dry. Accusations of witchcraft were a product of the tension created by such occurrences, and innocent people were frequently killed as a result of the witch trials, which I covered ooh, a few months ago. Not sure exactly when, but I did cover the Salem witch trials specifically. With the death of the accused witch, it was believed that the curse was broken. Next up, we have the evil eye. The evil eye is a very ancient curse, and I did once know a girl who believed in the evil eye, or her family did, anyway. They had them all over the house. Very strange. Very interesting. But the evil eye is a very ancient curse known around the world. It dates back to the Upper Paleolithic period, and it is still warded against today in many cultures, especially the Middle East, Latin America, Africa, Central America, Asia, Europe, and the Mediterranean. The malevolent glare, or evil look, is the cause of a back luck, or injury, and is a curse sometimes believed to be caused by feeling jealousy, possessing certain eye colors, or being over-complimentary or covetous. And this is another thing that I have experience with. That same girl, whenever she got a headache, her mom would perform some sort of evil eye ritual that would kind of cleanse her, and she believed that when you got a headache, it was because somebody was talking about you behind your back, be it a little too much in the, as it says, complimentary way or covetous way, or they were talking poorly about you and you were feeling the symptoms of their negative energy. Very fascinating stuff. Very, very fascinating. Because belief in the power of the evil eye is so pervasive around the world, many countries, talismans or amulets designed to ward off the curse can be readily found. While curses and magic might seem to be the superstition of the ancients, there are many today who still arm themselves with amulets or wards of protection against the effects of curses. Our rational scientific world now scoffs at the idea of curses being a danger to anyone, and yet medical science can show that the nocebo effect, an adverse psychogenic reaction to a perception or expectation remains a powerful psychological and physiological phenomenon. If you truly believe you're cursed, and that belief is powerful enough, you may succumb to the curse, whether it exists in reality or not. In this way, perhaps curses from ancient times remain powerful to this very day. Now, I really want to thank ancientorigins.net for providing a lot of that information. I go to them a lot for information based on my podcast because... They're very good, and they write very well. They read very easily, as a matter of fact. I don't have to stumble over big words and try to decipher ancient languages to get through the podcast. So I really enjoy what they do. Of course, I throw my own flair in there as well, but you know, I want to give them credit. That's ancient-origins.net, and you can find a whole bunch of crazy, cool information on there. 
As for curses, now, I don't know what to believe here. The power of belief is a very, very powerful thing, as this article mentions, and it has been shown that people who go into meditative states or into deep prayer sessions have very, very positive neurological effects. They've put people in MRIs, and they've studied brain energy and brain waves and brain function while people are meditating, and it releases sorts of endorphins. And in that sense, it has a healing power, and it has a very powerful reaction to the person involved. Now, I've always been a belief that if you curse somebody, the curse is more powerful should the person believe in it. And again, that goes for the power of belief. If a witch goes to somebody who is a non-witch, or somebody who is a pagan, or believes in Wicca or witchcraft, and says, I curse you, and they do a curse, they perform some sort of curse, be it by a talisman, or uh, a proxy doll, like a voodoo doll, or they just have a spell in mind that they want to put on somebody, and the person laughs it off, so, ha you're full of crap, no, that's not a real thing, then it may not have as much of an effect. But as I mentioned before, if you know a witch, and you curse a witch, it will be more powerful because of the sense of belief. They'll dwell on it, they'll think about it longer, they'll think about it more, and then they'll start associating bad things that happen to them with this curse. Despite that, maybe bad things have been happening to them for the past two weeks or three weeks, or they haven't had any good news for a while. Just one of those things where it amplifies the feeling and it's a sensation that you're experiencing during these cursing moments. Now, I've never cursed anybody, and I don't believe I've been cursed. I think I'm a pretty solid dude. I don't know. Maybe that's just me talking out my ass. But still, please don't curse me. And if you do actually decide to, let me know. Not that I'll try to break it. I will try to break it eventually. But I want to know if this nocebo effect is real. Or, you know, if it's just kind of not real. Maybe curses are real. Maybe they're not. These are the inquisitive questions I have, and I don't have any answers to at the moment. I don't have an expert on hand in witchcraft or any sort of ancient curses. But it'd be fun to, to experience something like that. Now, it's all playful, of course. I don't actually want you to curse me, should it actually be real. My life isn't as great as it may seem to be on the internet. That's the internet for you, though. But that does bring us to the end of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Curses, and I hope you found it interesting and I'll be found it insightful. I will return next week with something new, but until then.